All right, joining me now, he is the co-host of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast, a colleague here at PFF, a host, analyst, does it all. It is Trevor Sikama. Trevor, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you back on. I appreciate you having me on, Ari. We've got a exciting topic to talk about here for this one. So uh, I I really I jumped at this one. When you asked me, obviously I would have said yes, anyways. But uh, this one's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm excited. Yeah, this is one that I've been wanting to do for a while. I really didn't know when the perfect time is, but here we are a couple of weeks away until training camp comes. This is the time of year where everyone is in perfect shape. Yes. But we want to pick the top 10 breakout players for the 2022 NFL season. I did a fantasy sleepers episode a couple of weeks ago of Ian Harditz. This is different. This is all positions, guys who we believe are bound to take that next step and improve and even potentially get into the star territory in the NFL. We'll do 10 total, five each. We'll go one by one. And Trevor, you are our guest here today. So I'll let you kick us off here. And, and just by the way, we did not talk about who we picked. So right. I don't know who you have. I don't know who you don't know who I have. And um, if we match, so be it. But um, we'll figure it out from there. But we have no idea what's about to happen. So let's let's kick us off here. Who do you have, Trevor? There, there's a couple of ones that I think are more obvious than others. So I wonder if we're going to match on those. But there's a handful of guys. So I'm sure that we'll be able to shout out a couple of other ones, even if they didn't make the list. But number five for me, or I guess the first one that I want to bring up is Lions cornerback. Jeff Okuda. I mean, this is a former top three overall pick really struggled in his rookie season. Second year by all accounts, you know, during training camp and everything, like he was looking better. He was looking more confident. Things were, were really looking up for him going into his sophomore season. And then he had the Achilles tear. And so this upcoming season, it's going to be about playing as many games as he can getting back to form. And then of course, hopefully building off of what was not the greatest start to his NFL career when he played in his rookie season. And I've got faith that this year is going to be a true breakout year for Jeff Okuda because when I scouted him and um, are, you know, this I'm big into the NFL draft. When I scouted Jeff Okuda, when he was coming out of Ohio state, he's so good, man. I mean, he had everything there. He had the size, the length, the fluidity, the athleticism, the, the anticipation, the confidence, all of that was right there for his game. And it was so easy to love his play at the last year of Ohio state. But I'll also say that, you know, talking to former players over the years, being in the league and, and, and getting talked to talk to a lot of guys, not just former players, but I guess current guys as well. Corner is so difficult to come in and play right away. I've had former corners tell me that starting as a rookie corner in the NFL is like trying to drink water through a fire hose. That is the analogy that they have given me. There's just so much that is coming at you that even if you're thirsty, even if you want to drink, it's a little overwhelming. So I'm kind of chalking up that first year to him really learning things, getting up to NFL speed Obviously, you hate that the injury happened last year, but I got a feeling that we're three years into the NFL now for Jeff Okuda. He's kind of got his bearings underneath him. He's motivated. If he has a fully healthy year, I think that he's really going to not only regain that starting spot, but we'll see flashes of why he was a top three overall pick. So I think that he's a big breakout candidate. I remember talking to someone about Jeff last year because they made the coaching change and they hired Aubrey Pleasant to be the secondaries coach there. And they believe that hiring Aubrey was more about someone who can push Jeff Okuda. I remember it was week one last year 
where they were basically screaming at each other on the side. Remember that video that came out during a game? Yes, yes. But that was, it, people took it the wrong way. And the Lions people were like, no, no, no. This is somebody who's going to push Jeff to get to the point where he's going to be playing like a number three overall pick. Of course, the injury happens, but he is recovering from that now. And they are hopeful that he could have a bounce back year and play like the player who was once a number three overall pick. And of course, the Lions really could use that. They have so many great building blocks on that roster. If Jeff could turn it around and play like one of those players and be another foundational piece for Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, that would definitely be big. And of course, after this year, they have to make a decision on this fifth year option. So um, definitely a big year for him as well, not just for his play, but also for his financial side of things um, for him. So um, that's my, that's uh, our first pick here. Your first pick. Let me move over to mine. And um. I'm going to go with a player who I don't know if he, he if he should count for this because he was a number one overall pick, but I have Trevor Lawrence. All right. Trevor Lawrence bounce back year this year. I mean, I can make an argument that the biggest addition this offseason around the NFL from all the big moves, the trades, the signings, the craziness we had, it was the Jaguars hiring Doug Peterson as their head coach. Yes, there might not be a bigger upgrade in NFL coaching history, going from what transpired last year with Urban Meyer, the toxic environment in 2021, to what Trevor Lawrence is about to get and is getting already with Doug Peterson. I mean, this is a steadier franchise situation with him there. His rookie year obviously was not what anyone expected, especially for someone who was deemed a generational talent coming in. His PFF grade was under 60 He had more turnover-worthy plays than big-time throws last year. A lot of things you don't want to see. But he also showed some promise out there. It was glimpses, but he had moments where he showed how he can process the field. Um, He was a great teammate around that locker room, especially with all that was going on there. Now you go in with all these new pieces. Forget about how much they paid for all these guys. But Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, getting Travis Etienne back, I think is going to be massive for him. Those two guys have great chemistry going back to Clemson. Evan Ingram needs to have a big year for his own sake and approve it year brandon scherf up front put all of that together along with doug being the guy in his year i think trevor lawrence is bound to take a second year leap like we've seen of many of these quarterbacks and we'll finally be talking about him like one of the great young quarterbacks in this league yeah, I Trevor Lawrence was absolutely uh, going to be on my list a, as well. I mean, you have to mention him there for the reasons that that you said, and I love that you brought up Doug Peterson first and foremost because I do. I think that that even aside from the organization, from the head coach standpoint, on being more stable without Urban Meyer there the quarterback background, the pedigree that Doug Peterson has with that position and being hands-on with these guys is so huge. So not just stabilizing the organization that he is around, actually allowing Trevor uh, Trevor Wilson, I'm thinking about Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence to play better this upcoming season. You got to look and you got to remember about what he was at Clemson. A lot of Trevor Lawrence's production at Clemson came in ways that you just knew weren't going to be the case in the NFL. It was a lot of screen stuff. It was short passes. It was giving guys the opportunity to make yards after the catch. And every now and then we would see those beautiful back shoulder timing throws where you go, okay, regardless of the offense, this guy's an NFL quarterback because you see it right there, but there wasn't a ton of that in Clemson's offense. So there was always going to be a learning curve, a learning period for Trevor Lawrence to play in, I'll say a more, I'll just say NFL offense, a more well-rounded offense 
at the pro level. So that was always going to be the case. And he was not getting that kind of experience, the right voices in his ear when it was Urban Meyer. Now he actually is going to be able to get that with Doug Peterson. I think that's going to be a huge plus for him. And so I agree. Trevor Lawrence is uh, definitely somebody that should be on a list for a breakout candidate. Yeah. But, and Chris Collinsworth was on here last week. He, he said it perfectly. It's a match made in heaven with those two guys. And mm-hmm. the crazy part is that for them to hire Doug Peterson, this was a few months ago. It took the most insane avenue to find him, right? He was the first guy that they interviewed. Then they had the whole thing with Balky. People don't want to work with him. They wanted Byron Leftwich. And they some way, somehow find a way, found their way back to Doug Peterson. And you can make an argument that might be the best option for what they have over there. So that is my first official pick here. Our third overall pick, who do you have here, Trevor, um, for your pick? You know what? I'll throw out Quiddy Pay, the defensive lineman for the Indianapolis Colts. And I I believe he only finished last year with four sacks. He didn't have a ton of production during his time in Michigan. But man, when he showed up to the combine, testing the 95th percentile in both the 20-yard split, I I think he was very close in the 10-yard split as well, and then the 40-yard dash too. I mean, like he was absolutely fantastic, showing a lot of athleticism for his size, a guy who has prototypical defensive end density, if you will. Like, this is a guy who you're not afraid to play on the line of scrimmage on all three downs because of how big and strong he's in. is. He's about six foot three, 260 pounds. And so, dude, I, I just think that he is in for a massive year this year because I felt like you really started to see him figure it out in the second half of last season in Indianapolis. And when you look at that, the rest of the defensive line uh, that he is with there, in Indianapolis, he's got the massive Grover Stewart next to him as the nose tackle, as one's technique guy playing DT there for him. Of course, he has DeForest Buckner as well. They've got Yannick Ngakwe. They've got Ben Banigou. They've got Taekwon Lewis. They've got a variety of guys that they can throw at the line of scrimmage. But I really do believe that it's going to be Quiddy Pay's time to truly elevate himself to be what I think is going to be the second best defensive lineman on that defense um, outside of DeForest Buckner, who I think is, is one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. So I think it's a big year for Quiddy Pay. I really do. We didn't see a ton of stat production from him at Michigan, but I think we're, we're about to see the best days of him when it comes to the stat sheet here in the second year in Indianapolis. All right, Trevor, we have our, our, our first official match. I also had him on my list here. Okay. Quiddy Pay was on here. And he's someone that I didn't even have initially on my list. But I asked a few front office people for a name or two for a guy who could be on this list. And he came up three separate times. So I was looking into what exactly are people looking at. And as you mentioned, the stats don't really jump out. It's four sacks, whatever. But when you look deeper, you're right. I mean, he had a 71.3 pass rushing grade, which actually led all rookie edge rushers. He had a 20% win rate, 39 pressures, 20 hurries. I think he had the best overall pass rushing grade on the Colts. And really the difference that everyone is looking at you mentioned it. It's adding Anik Ngakwe on the other side, obviously having DeForest Buckner and Stewart in the middle, but they believe just adding Anik as the bookend pass rusher with him is only going to help out. And they weren't really anticipating a year in his rookie year to become something big or special. He was a raw talent with this insane athletic abilities. They really believe now with this team is the year where he's finally going to go off. And um, he's definitely a name that could potentially break out this year. We both have him on our list here. So that's the first one where we are both on the same page for sure over here. All right. So um, let's keep this going. I'm going to have to find another name here soon. But um, I'm going to go now with um, Marquise Hollywood Brown is my next pick. Okay. And this one is interesting because I'm going to start off by saying I wasn't a big fan of what the Cardinals gave up for him. 
And the one that people really didn't understand is the fact they did that trade without getting a contract extension done as well, like right. AJ Brown. That's the one that everyone is like, what are you guys doing? Because that deal was in place for four weeks. It was kept under wraps. The only people who knew were the Cardinals front office, the Ravens front office, and the agent, who was Tory Dandy, who's also AJ, AJ Brown's agent. So he already did one of these. You guys should have done something during those four weeks, but that's a different story. But really, it all benefits Marquise, first of all, not getting a deal done because now he's poised. He has a lot of leverage. But mm-hmm. if he has a big year, the price is only going to go up. And Arizona gave up one. And think about it. He had a 1,000 yards last year in a run-heavy offense on a team he didn't even want to be on. He's been wanting to get out of there for two full years. Now he's in a receiver-friendly offense and is with his best friend and Kyler Murray, college teammates. And after six weeks this year, he's going to have DeAndre Hopkins entering that offense as well, and he'll join the mix. He's happier now. And again, I'm a big believer in players stepping up when they know that contract could be coming soon. So if he has that year this year, He's going to go to the negotiating table knowing that Arizona gave him a first round pick and it's time to pay up in this crazy receiver market. So I believe Marquise Hollywood Brown in this offense with this team is bound for a very big year this year in Arizona. Well, I'll, I'll keep it along those lines and I'll go with the receiver. Who's probably going to take over a lot of those targets in Baltimore now with, uh, with Rashad Bateman. I'll, I'll make him my next guy who was on my list. I knew I was going to bring him up at some point. Only played in 12 games last season, had just over 500 yards and only one touchdown. And that was definitely disappointing for a lot of people who I know were very high on him coming out of Minnesota. Didn't play a ton that 2020 season just because of the COVID shortened year. But the year before that at over 1200 yards had 11 touchdowns. And so there is a lot of reason to believe that Rashad Bateman is in for a massive 2022 season i mean you look at that depth chart as it stands right now it's got rashad bateman at the top but with hollywood brown no longer there yes it's around mark andrews in that tight end room and he is still there but like at receiver james prochet devin duvernay uh tylen wallace benjamin victor jalen moore like there's just there's not a lot of guys that you go oh yeah they got to get the targets the only name that you see on the ravens depth chart right now a receiver at least that you say you got to get that guy the ball is rashad bateman and so you know you mentioned having a show with ian and fantasy guys i know talk about volume a lot just sheer volume alone Rashad Bateman is somebody who I think is primed for a uh, big time year coming up. So if we get him for a fully healthy season, easily over a hundred targets, you know, easily something that could be when the Baltimore Ravens go to their passing game, I think it's going to be run through Mark Andrews as it has been over the last couple of years, but Rashad Bateman, if they need a receiver to go to on the outside, it's going to be him. He's going to be the benefactor of it. So he's a big breakout guy to me too. Yeah, and they need him to step up considering what they have there in that offense right now. I mean, there are still some other veteran wide receiver free agents out there. Um, Will Fuller's out there. Julio's out there, Odell's out there, all those names. Maybe they add one of those guys because you mentioned other guys, Duvernay, Prochet. Those guys have been in the offense for two, three years already. Right. We know what they are. So um, we'll see if they add somebody else. But yeah, they're definitely banking on Rashad Bateman, a former first-round pick, to step up this year, especially now after Marquise Hollywood-Brown is no longer there. So those two guys are our back-to-back picks here. This next one that I have over here, it might be a bit cheating, honestly, but um, because he was so good as a rookie. But um, I have Patrick Sertain going to the next level, going into the superstar level. That's where I'm looking at over here, because one of the things that you mentioned with Jeff Okuda, 
coaches will tell you cornerback is one of the tougher positions to transition from college to the NFL. The game is so fast. The offensive players, in a way, have more advantages than a defender with the rules. But Sertain made it look it's so, make it made it look so easy last year. And when you hear some of the quotes coming out of Denver, for example, Justin Jim Simmons, one of the most respected players in the league, Bronco safety, he comes out and says. At the end of last year, I didn't even have to worry about his side of the field. That's not a fluff comment. That's like somebody saying, okay, we have something special here. And he's right. At the end of last year, Vic Fangio was essentially playing Sertain on his own island in man coverage against some of these top corner top receivers in the NFL. He only allowed over 60 yards once last season. George Payton, their GM, got some heat last year when he made that pick, taking Sertain over a quarterback. Well, look at them now. They have Russell Wilson, their quarterback. They have Sertain, who is still only 22 years old. And I think he has the potential to not only be a pro bowler this year, but also be in that all-pro discussion there in Denver. So it's a pick who everyone might know his name, but I think it's someone who takes the leap and enters that superstar territory this year in Denver. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you there as well. Sertain is just He's incredible. And if I, I'm going to piggyback for my next guy, I, again, I'm going to stay on the same team. I'm going to pick Jerry Judy. Like Jerry Judy, honestly, he might be, other than Trevor Lawrence, he might be the easiest breakout candidate guy or the first name that you're going to hear out of a lot of people's mouths. But how could we not mention him, right? I had Jerry Judy as my wide receiver one a couple of years ago. And the reason was because the man is a master of separation. He is a route running magician and we've just seen time and time again eventually this will come out as something that is successful that you can build um, passing attacks around when you have someone who as is as good as he is at his craft and his footwork and just everything and over the last couple of years we really haven't seen it manifest played in 16 games in his rookie year almost had 900 yards receiving I believe it's right around 850 had three touchdowns which was a little bit disappointing, got over a hundred targets. People just thought, okay, you know, not quite a thousand yards, but it was a good, good first year. Last year, he only plays in 10 games, only starts in five, doesn't even get 500 yards receiving, doesn't even have a single receiving touchdown. And so we just didn't see a lot from Jerry Judy last year. And the talent is too good, Ari, for me to not put this guy on this list. It, it just is. It's, it's, it is too good. A fully healthy year of Jerry Judy now with Russell Wilson as his quarterback, I think is going, it is, it's, an easy 1,000 yards receiving. It should be an easy 1,000 yards receiving. I look at Jerry Judy and what he can do and how quick he is, how good his separation he is, all of that. And I see what Tyler Lockett was for, for Russell Wilson when he was in Seattle. And there were so many times where they just had such great chemistry. And I know it takes a little bit to build that, so maybe it's not going to be quite that right off the bat. But I do feel like those similar skill sets and Jerry Judy's ability to create that separation, especially for Russell Wilson in a new offense for the first time, you want to find the guy that gives you the easy throws, right? We always hear about, oh, tight ends might be a quarterback's best friend. Well, the reason is, is because defenses often forget about tight ends, right? It, tight end is often something where, oh, linebacker's not as close to the tight end. Let me dump it off to him. And that's that security blanket quarterback's best friend kind of a thing. That same feeling or spirit of the, the, the phrase, the nickname, quarterback's best friend exists with Jerry Judy because he will create such big throwing windows with how good he is as a separation artist. So I, I love him for that reason. I think that with, with Russell Wilson now in Denver, it's just, it is to quote Chris Collinsworth feels like a match made in heaven for <laughs> these two guys to benefit off of each other here. And I got to have Jerry Judy on this list. 
Yeah, on my initial list, when I was putting together like 10 guys, I just wrote Broncos receivers. I don't know which one it's going to be. It could be Corlin Sutton. It could be Tim Patrick. It could be right. Jerry Judy. One of those guys is going to go off this year now that they have Russell Wilson. Remember, that Wilson trade happened before the new league year, but obviously it was finalized. The deal was not as going to Denver. Russ got all the receivers together, and they were already working out before the deal became official. And they've been already working together for months and months, and they're ready for the season to already come here with in that new offense with Nathaniel Hackett. So whoever it is, it might just be all three of them, but um, Judy, Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, even Hamler coming back. He's another speed guy yeah. in that offense. There's so many weapons there. Albert O at tight end. It's, yep. a, it's a very loaded offense. We didn't even mention the running backs. Goodness, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. It's a stacked offense there in Denver, and they're definitely hoping that some of those guys step up and become a breakout player this year. My next one is going, I'm going to stick to defense here for me, at least Jordan Brooks, the Seattle Seahawks linebacker is my next pick. I like it. And, I like the pick. Yeah. It's interesting because they released Bobby Wagner this offseason. Part of mm-hmm. it was money, but part of it was also Jordan Brooks is taking that next step is going to be our new Bobby Wagner. He'll be the voice of this defense, the leader of this defense. And really Pete Carroll has been vocal about that really throughout this offseason into OTAs into minicamp that Jordan Brooks is essentially our leader for this defense. And he really, really took strides last year because if you remember when he was drafted, you could probably talk more about this, but people really criticized that pick. They were like "Eh, first round pick for Jordan Brooks. I'm not sure about that, Mm -hmm. but he really stepped up last year and is really has become a bit of an underrated player in this league. And now that Bobby Wagner is no longer there, I think a lot of people are expecting him to break out, become that new guy in that defense. And I think we'll be hearing the name Jordan Brooks much more this year, just because we're going to be looking at Seattle and it's like Russell Wilson no longer there. What's going to happen with DK Metcalf? Who is going to be the new face of that team, at least defensively? I think the name Jordan Brooks is going to be the name that we'll be hearing a lot of this year. Yeah, and and you're right. You go back to draft night when Seattle picked Jordan Brooks, and you go, okay, you look at all the needs that Seattle maybe had at pass rusher at offensive line, and you go, linebacker? Really, guys? Like, what are we doing here in the first round? But, you know, I I think a lot of people criticize the pick just because of the thought process behind the positional value. Yeah, but Jordan Brooks himself has been good. You know, he struggled a little bit as a rookie, but you know, there's a lot of, again, same thing as corner. When you are throwing a guy out there in the middle of a defense in the NFL and you just say, okay, make things happen. It's a difficult task. And so Jordan Brooks struggled a little bit his rookie season. I don't think it was as bad as some people made it out to be, but last year, when you look at his PFF grades, run defense, tackling grade, pass rush grade, coverage grade, overall defensive grade, every single category for Jordan Brooks, was improved. It was there. And and when you look at the grades, you think to yourself, okay, this is the kind of player who might be on the cusp of that true breakout. And you mentioned with Bobby Wagner now gone, him really having command in the middle of that defense. They're certainly expecting a lot from him, but the stats, the grades, those things say that a breakout year could definitely be coming for Jordan Brooks. Definitely. And really what I'm looking for is if he becomes more of a household name around the NFL because really we're not hearing much about him like we don't Mm -hmm. hear that name people don't even recall him being a first round pick so it's like do we hear more about Jordan Brooks this year I know not many people are looking forward to watching Seahawks football this year but when you look at the future of this team at least the pieces and the foundational pieces they have on that roster Jordan Brooks is definitely one name who is somebody who people should definitely be keeping an eye on all right I think we're up to the final pick for 
yep. you. So who do you have here for your last pick here in this um, this segment of um, breakout players for 2022? You know, I'll go a little bit homer here with the final pick. And, and you mentioned Jordan Brooks becoming a household name. I wonder if Joe Tryon Shoyinka, the hyphened last name and all, will become a household name because he is really poised to do so. The Bucks pass rusher who they drafted in the final selection of the uh, first round of the 2021 NFL draft didn't play a ton last year because there was a lot of, there were a lot of notable names along the Bucks defensive line, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre, Paul, Vita Vea, uh, Dominican Sue. They've got Will Golson. They've got, um, they, they just have, they have so many other guys along the defensive line, veteran players who, they were playing over a rookie. That's that's just the, the way that it was. This was a team that was competing now. This was their winning window. It's not like they had all these snaps to give to a rookie. Try and show Yinka still managed to get himself six sacks, ended up playing in all 17 games, which is great to see. But I really do think that this upcoming year could be the biggest for him. And I think the biggest catalyst for that is, is of course, Jason Pierre-Paul no longer on the team. You get Akeem Hicks in there for Nandominic and Sue. So two beefy boys still in the middle with Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks. You have Shaq Barrett on one side, but then you have Joe Tryon Shoyinka as the scheduled starter on the other side. And so I think opportunity plays into him having a big breakout year, building off of that four-sack season that he had as a rookie. But you also got to understand about where he was coming from too, because this was a player who did not play much his freshman season when he was at Washington. Had a nice breakout season with double-digit tackles for loss and eight sacks as a sophomore, but then did not play at all the 2020 season because he opted out due to COVID right. due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So they're drafting this guy essentially off of his sophomore film that you hadn't even seen. So this guy just hasn't even played a ton of football. That Joe Tryon-Shoyinka has not been a consistent, hey man, go out there every single down. You're a starter for us. He has not been that role since 2019. So we're going to see that for the first time here in 2022. I think that that means that he's fresh. I think that means he's motivated and he is jonesing to make the most out of his talent. You love what you saw from him in the combine with the athletic testing numbers and all of that brings into, he's still playing on a good defense. He's still playing with Todd Bowles. He's still playing on a good defensive line. He's not going to get double team, nothing like that. There's too much talent around the defensive line. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities now with Jason Pierre-Paul. So I will say that Joe Tryon Shoyinka could be in store for a double-digit sack season, perhaps right around that 9-10 to 10 mark here this, this year. Yeah, I mean, I remember last year in the preseason, like, he had some moments in the preseason. I think it was against the Bengals, right? It was, it was that game in particular yeah. where he had – I think he had a couple of sacks. He was getting pressures. He was getting to the quarterback. Didn't really get to see much of him during the regular season. You mentioned all the names that are already there in, in Tampa Bay, but you're right. Jason Pierre-Paul is no longer in Tampa Bay. He's still a free agent right now, but they've really had not much interest in bringing him back. I think he's only had one visit this offseason in Baltimore. No deal done there yet, but um, point is, yeah, there will be opportunities there for Joe Tryon, and I think they weren't anticipating him being available at 32 when they picked him like they mm -hmm. were like surprised sure that he was like there that. that's at least the way they made it sound right so definitely a chance for him to take that next step forward and while we're talking about former washington um defensive lineman my last pick here is a name that not many people know he's nowhere near being a household name yet Everyone looks at the Rams and you've got the Staffords and the Cups and the Aaron, Allen Robinsons now and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Dahl. Do you know where I'm going over here? I think I know where you're going here. All I right. think I know where you're going. We always talk about those mid to late 
round draft picks for the Rams. In 2019, the Rams used a fourth round pick on a defensive lineman named Greg Gaines out of yep. Washington. And he is my last pick over here. I mean, the Rams people have been raving about him. Playing alongside Aaron Donald last year, he was all over the place. He had 55 tackles, four tackles for loss, four and a half sacks quietly. And all his playing time really came because Sebastian Joseph Day got injured. And he essentially won over the coaching staff during that period. And he was so good. They let Joseph Day walk in for agency this offseason. Von Miller then invited him this offseason to his pass rush academy, academy in Vegas, which really is a bunch of just star and really like notable players. And you have Greg Gaines on that list. And it's like, oh, what is he doing there? So like he is someone who they got really close during their period there in L.A. last year. He's a very good pass rusher for a guy who lines up over a center. Mm -hmm. He also does a pretty good job of clock up those running um, running lanes for running backs. I mean, he's he's a player that really nobody knows. He played next to Vitavea in college, played next to Aaron Donald in the NFL. I mean, it's kind of a dream for him, but he's entering a contract year of his own. I know the Rams have had some talks about an extension, but it's fairly early there. But don't be surprised if we hear more about Greg Gaines in 2022. That is my final pick here. Definitely, we've had a lot of um, names that people recognized here. He's probably the one name that people are like, who is that? But we'll see if we hear more about him this year because he's someone who is bound to have a big year. Full-time starter now next to Aaron Donald. Anybody who plays next to Aaron Donald will do better. I'm looking forward to see what great Greg Gaines does this year does this year yeah i was gonna say uh anytime your college and nfl resume means that you played next to vita vea and aaron donald i mean it doesn't it doesn't really get any better than that you you've got all the the room in the world if you will along the trenches to shine so i i know a lot of people this offseason have been talking about greg Gaines. they've been talking him up very well uh again you know we, we mentioned it but certainly playing next to aaron donald makes things a little bit easier but he's definitely shining in his own talents for sure so he is somebody that i maybe he's not going to be this sack master. He's a better pass rusher than people give him credit for as a nose yeah. tackle. You totally are right there, but look, maybe he's not going to be the most notable name in the world, but somebody who maybe does the dirty work, somebody who, if you ask the coaching staff, you go, Hey, who's the most underappreciated player on this team. Greg Gaines is somebody who could really elevate himself as, as the player that you name on that defense with an opportunity to be a full-time starter this year. It's amazing to think about how much money Aaron Donald has made for people who just play alongside him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Dante Fowler yeah. got a big contract right. from Atlanta. Right. Leonard Floyd got re-signed in LA thanks to that. Um, now we have Sebastian Joseph Day and could be Greg Gaines as well here this year. We, we got to start we got to start building in an Aaron Donald tax for anybody who signs a new contract who played next to him. They just owe, they owe Aaron Donald like a small percentage of that contract no matter what. Dude should be getting commission for any defensive lineman who gets paid. <laughs> he is fantastic. One of the greats of all time. And he's back in LA under a new record setting contract, by the way. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about that 30 million a year, um, a year deal. I'm curious to see, I mean, we're going a bit off topic, but Nick Bosa in San Francisco, I think he's aiming yeah. to get that deal as well. So um, Aaron Donald definitely broke some barriers this offseason. We'll see how much that affects the market overall. But um, Trevor, I want to thank you for taking the time. Everyone can follow you on Twitter. It is at Tampa Bay Trey. This was a really fun 
fun exercise. You also have a great feature up on PFF.com right now with Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. So everyone should check that out as well. That was a great read. And um, thanks again for coming on. And we'll definitely do this again sometime as the season gets closer. I appreciate it, Ari. I think we only had one name that we one matched name, with the name. list. So, so we gave people plenty of other names to know. So this was a lot of fun, Ari. Appreciate you having me.